doctors don't have a clear understanding of it. It started opening up my mind to like, how does the human body work? This is a real thing that really affects people. This is a major pain. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and today we'll be speaking with Andy Alhadif about her pituitary adenoma. So, Andy is my girlfriend. She was in the first episode of this podcast. She and I have been together for about four and a half years. And in the first episode, she interviewed me about my major pain, and we did make quick mention that she has one of her own, and we'll be talking about that today. So, a pituitary adenoma is actually a small growth on the pituitary gland in your brain. So, essentially, it is a brain tumor. And... Andy's adenoma causes her pituitary gland to produce excess prolactin. So we're not just going to be talking about what this thing is and what it's doing, but the challenges that it presents because having your hormones out of balance can cause symptoms. So for Andy, that causes a wide range of symptoms that also includes intrusive thoughts, which is a mental health challenge that we'll be talking about in this episode. So she did such a great job. I'm so proud of her for being willing to come on the show and and share because, I mean, this is, you know, a hard thing to open up about publicly. She did a really amazing job describing everything and how it feels and what it's like. And it's such an interesting topic because this is such a rare thing that, you know, as I'll mention in the episode, I'd never heard of this before we found out that she had one. So, yeah, so it's going to be a really great episode. I'm, I'm excited to share this with you today. Real quick, before we get to that, I have one thank you this week. Uh, we got a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and this one was so special, I just really wanted to share it with you. This is from Morgan R. It's called The Perfect Balance. As someone who struggles with many disabling diagnoses, it's important to find content that validates your own pain and struggles, whilst also showcasing the joy and lightheartedness that still can and does exist. Between the host's demeanor and the content itself, this podcast does it perfectly. Morgan, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that feedback because it's so important to me that this show have lightness and joy inside of it. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of heavy things on this show and people, you know, expressing their struggles. But the last thing I want is for this to be a weekly downer. I want this to be uplifting. I want people to hear from other people experiencing things like them and feel solidarity and, and see that there is still joy to be had and so much wonderful experience to have in life, even when you were living with a chronic health challenge. And so to get this feedback really means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Quick reminder that we have a new Patreon campaign in support of this podcast. I need your help to keep this project going. I need to cover the basic costs of producing the show, which is uh, very minimal, um, just about 30 bucks a month. And then beyond that, I'm hoping to generate some income for myself because I am unable to work due to my chronic illness. So if you'd like to help support this show, check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Uh, subscriptions start at $2 per month. And the last thing I'll say before we get into our, uh, our chat with Andy today is that I am ready to start recording more episodes. I still have three in the bag ready to release, but I'd like to get back to work on recording and, um, you know, start getting some new conversations ready to share. And I wanted to reach out to you, the audience, the listeners of this podcast, that, and just say that I'm very interested in hearing from you and having you come on the show if you have a major pain that you'd like to share with everyone else. So if you feel confident and comfortable talking about what it is that you're experiencing and you'd like to be on the show, please send me an email at majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get into our discussion with Andy Alhadif about her pituitary adenoma.
Andy Elhadov, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jesse Mercury. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is the first time I've had someone in this apartment to record. Yeah. And yeah. it's fitting that it's you, the person who was our very first guest ever. Right, and the person who also sort of lives in this apartment as well. Yes. Well, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Yeah, well, okay, so the first episode, we in the real time, we recorded that about six months ago. Um, mm-hmm. And in that episode, we talked about how we were moving yeah. to separate apartments. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which has since happened. Definitely. So we're in my apartment, which is on the same floor as your apartment. So how have you been since the last time we recorded? How's life? Um... Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Complicated. I started teaching um, eighth grade drama, and uh, that has been so rewarding in so many ways and also challenging because it's all virtual still, yeah. and the kids are really at the end of their wits, I think, with online learning for this year. <laughs> They're yeah. just, you know, done, which I get. I think we're all feeling the Zoom burnout at this point. Sure. Um, and yeah, I'm vaccinated and so are <laughs> you. And that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and our families, I mean, I think we've been very blessed to have our families be healthy and um, yeah, things are starting to open back up a little bit for theater. I've been doing a few projects in that realm, and we have these two awesome new apartments. And uh, yeah. 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 How do you feel about living in two apartments? I mean, I know I'm involved in this in, as well. but <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I do. I really, I think it, it really works for us. Um, both just in terms of our relationship and also as individuals, like it sort of suits us pretty well to have our own spaces. Yeah. Um, I think this is like a really, this was a good moment to try that out and um, see what that felt like. And yeah, I've been really enjoying a lot of aspects of it. Yeah, me too. It's so nice to have our own space, but also live in the same building. It's a really great, right. Uh, it's it's a great you know best of both world both best of both worlds situation definitely and also as it pertains to like the show to have um when you have a partner who is in chronic pain and you are someone potentially who is uh has a hard time setting those emotional boundaries around when they're in pain you sort of feel um like there's something you should be doing or responsible in some way to help yeah. um or you also take that on board as like your own anxiety or your own, not the exact same pain, but you notice yourself maybe physically taking that on board, having like a space you can go to just like separate and reground yourself in your own <laughs> reality is really, really helpful. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you, you are one of those people who mm-hmm. feels the pain of others around you and there's no yeah. right or wrong when navigating these sorts of situations but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for our relationship it has been helpful that on days where i'm in a lot of pain and i just need to kind of Mm -hmm. hunker down and get through it yeah you don't have to be there with me and you know but i I am there like i'm yes right right like i am but then the anxiety of like well i don't want to live separately from you like i want to be right right down the hall right like if if i need need something or yes very easy and you are there for me in that way yeah so i don't have to have that stress also of being like i'm too far away it's like a really it worked out it for works us. Really it's well. a really yeah. good amount of distance. I mean, we're just like 
just right down, down the hall, the hall from yeah. each other. Yeah. It worked out so well that we found yeah. two apartments on the same floor. It was just kind of yeah. you know, yeah. really lucky. Really lucky. And, yeah. and also I'll say, as someone who has a very strong personal aesthetic and <laughs> who um, is very impacted by the my space that I live in and the way it looks and the choices I make in it artistically, because I am also like working on my visual art and like, I don't know, I'm really into fashion. Like visual expression is a very important thing to me. And Mm -hmm. to have a space that is totally my space to do whatever I want in that realm with and not have to, you know, I mean, I think we created a really cool space with both of our aesthetics together, but I don't have to be like, Jesse, is a floral bre- bedspread feel weird for you? You know, or whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, I just make a choice yeah, of what like, I like. And How much Star Trek pop art is <laughs> yes, too much? Yes, totally. And your gear can be out and it doesn't yeah. bug me and I can make a bit of a mess in the kitchen and it doesn't stress you out. And yeah. there's just like all these things. And then also something that has been interesting is navigating sleeping alone versus together. And yeah. There are moments, I think we're both noticing this, where we sleep better separately, like we get a better night's sleep. And then there are some stretches where we feel we sleep better when we're in the same bed. Yeah. And we can just adjust based on what our schedules how are, how yeah. we're feeling. Yeah. And every night is a choice, which yeah. is yeah. in some ways good, in some ways bad. <laughs> right, because you have to make a choice every night. <laughs> yeah, but it also yeah. makes it a little more special, I think, to make the choice. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's been cool. Yeah. So, Andy, in the very first episode, mm-hmm. we did mention the fact that you actually have a major pain of your own. You don't just, you know, date someone who is in chronic pain. You also have your own thing, which is yeah. totally different. Yes. Um, but they're, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Andy, what is your major pain? <laughs> so, uh, my major pain uh, is a called a pituitary adenoma. So um, it's a growth that um, is very, for, for a pituitary adenoma, it is, it is a far higher percentage that it is benign. It's, it's very, very rare that, some, that it's cancerous, but technically a adenoma is a tumor. Um, but yeah, it is a benign tumor, that, tumor for me that grows on the pituitary gland, which is the gland that produces like your sex hormones. And so, you know, your estrogen, testosterone. And for me, the major one that's affected is prolactin. Um, prolactin is a hormone that regulates a lot of things, but it's primarily known as the one that um, regulates lactation when you're pregnant. And um, there are only really two medications that can uh, help to lower prolactin. Yeah. And so it's, it is essentially a brain tumor. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. 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 Right. Which is, it's funny because um, <laughs> I, it doesn't, it it feels far more casual than that sounds. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, I mean, it does have definitely effects on me. Um, but it's, yeah, you don't know, a brain tumor sounds so much more, um, yeah, massive than, than yeah. what this feels like, though it is a major pain, I would say, in my life. But for reasons that actually have nothing to do with the fact that it's a tumor and more, mm-hmm. they're a side effect of what the hormone imbalance is and for me in particular my response to medication which has not been super effective for me um so with this case it's just there's there's limited options and usually those options work pretty well for folks um but i'm just one of those tougher cases that um it's not as easy to manage with the medication as i wish it were yeah 
Yeah. So I don't expect you to be a pituitary adenoma specialist. We're just going to talk about your adenoma and the way that it affects you. I mean, I know that these things can vary greatly, but so for you, this one is mostly affecting your prolactin level. And um, are they like checking your other hormones to, to see if it's affected other ones? Yeah, I have done um, some hormone panels, although because I'm on birth control, those figures come back as normal. If I, I mean, mm, I have been okay. on birth control for since I was like 21 or something like that. So um, like 21 or 22. So I think, you know, if you think about it, I've been on it for 10 years of my life. Yeah. And I don't know what my body would do off of it. I don't know what my hormone levels would how they would read if I wasn't on it. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So but it almost functionally doesn't matter because those levels are stable, which is great. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. But if I were to go off birth control, for example, yeah. I would not probably have a period. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, when you have certain hormonal imbalances, um, it prevents you from from menstruating um especially with prolactin because that is a that is a hormone that raises with pregnancy so it kind of tells the body to stop menstruating because you know as your prolactin rises the more and more as you get more and more pregnant and then right after giving birth it's really high um so that you can produce breast milk for your baby so it's really interesting your body is very smart um and it's amazing how much your home hormone regulation is affected by everything else um yeah it affects mood it affects appetite it affects weight um it affects all kinds of things so when you have a hormonal imbalance i mean i'm speaking on the perspective of someone with high prolactin who has a pituitary adenoma and then whose other um, hormones in that department are being regulated by birth control. Right. But I would say that just thinking about this episode as a whole, it might resonate with folks who deal with all different kinds of hormonal imbalances and what that feels like. And um, all those experiences are really unique to each person. Um, But it's incredible how much it affects so many things. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you have this brain tumor that is pumping out prolactin. It's like it sits on the gland that pumps out prolactin. Okay. So the, if you think of it, it's like the way that it's sitting on that gland is is co- like putting pressure on the gland in a way mm. that overproduces certain hormones. Gotcha. So, so when it gets bigger, it can. That's why they regulate your hormones and check your hormone levels because if my prolactin were start to were starting to go higher and higher really rapidly, that would be a signal that they may need to do a scan to see if my uh, tumor is growing. Yeah. And I do get a scan every year. Yeah. Um, once a year, I get scanned no matter what, no matter even if my prolactin levels are stable, they just want to make sure that they have an image of it annually so that right. they can track its growth. Yeah. Yeah. So what is what is having too much prolactin feel like? <laughs> well, it's really interesting. Um, so when it first hit me, um, and then this is also kind of like, I guess we're going into the realm of mental health, um, but hormone... Uh, imbalance and mental health are actually often linked uh, in terms of they that can be a trigger for certain um, mental health challenges. So it can affect 
depression. It can affect anxiety, right? Um, and for me, actually, this this hormone imbalance triggered some OCD type symptoms in my brain. And what's really interesting is I went through a similar experience when I was going through puberty, and I oh, never yeah. associated those two things. Yeah, but I do kind of, and I, you know, I've talked to psychiatrist about this. I've talked. Um, a little bit with um, the endocrinologist who is a special, the specialist that is dealing with, deals with pituitary adenomas, um, would, is an endocrinologist. So um, I've talked to mine a bit about this and our working, it's, he said it wasn't totally ridiculous to think this, but um, sort of the working theory between those two folks is like, that I've come up with between the information I've gotten from those realms is that there is a psychological component to mental health challenges and a biological component mm -hmm. oftentimes. Right. And so like we look at depression and it's like, you know, it's, it is chemicals in your brain and the balance of those, but there is also a psychological aspect to it that is in tandem with, with the biological. So for me, the biological trigger is the hormone imbalance and, um, and then there's psychological, aspect of it um is is like what i experience which is intrusive thoughts mm -hmm. um so those are often associated with ocd and that is where you kind of think a thought that is not a pleasant thought and then you and then it, it intrudes on your mind so then you can't let go of it and it comes in and so um, it can be a lot of times like fears or anxieties. It can also take like the things about you that you identify as like your core values and kind of spin them or like worst case scenario. So like if you're not a violent person, for example, there there was an example. I mean, I've done some reading on this and listened to podcasts and seen interviews about people that um, experience intrusive thoughts and there's a really big array of them mm -hmm. um, and I want to be careful when talking about them too because sometimes talking about intrusive thoughts can be triggering for certain people so if that's you then feel free to skip over this section yeah um, and as a disclaimer we yeah. talked about this before yeah. recording that we're not going to talk about any of Andy's intrusive thoughts yeah. we're not going to talk about her specific ones yeah so like the examples that she will give are examples of other people's intrusive thoughts right just because you know it can actually it could actually make your intrusive thoughts worse to be worrying about mm -hmm. talking about them publicly yeah and like sure. projecting them out on a yeah. public podcast like this right doesn't seem like the best idea so we both agreed that um it made a lot of sense to not talk about your intrusive thoughts specifically but yeah but in order to illustrate what intrusive thoughts are mm -hmm. you did have a really good example to talk about yeah yeah and i think um I also want to say that I'm actually in a really good place with uh, my journey with those and my kind of OCD challenges. Um, and again, like, I don't, I don't know if I would technically be diagnosed with OCD as the, the psychiatrist I was seeing said tendencies. I don't know. So this is also really yeah. interesting in the mental health ar arena where like we attach ourselves to certain diagnoses or mm -hmm. um, 
like how that plays into your identity and but i'm so i'm experiencing ocd symptoms but i am not like touching door handles five times or scrubbing my hands meticulously like things we associate in like pop culture with ocd that there's actually quite a broader picture of what that can look like in people's lives um so i i don't have any of those more classic identifiable features of ocd um but intrusive thoughts themselves are an OCD type behavior. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is this is tricky because like I, I was there at the doctor's appointment when we when you asked him about mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts, can intrusive thoughts be caused by a pituitary adenoma? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, that it's possible, but he couldn't like say for sure whether or not that's it's what not was a happening. common response. Sure. Yeah. Um, but then you also had the first time you had it was in puberty. Right. And and the only time it has popped up has been when your prolactin level was super high yeah, um, yeah. because of this, like before it was treated at all yeah. and treatment helped with the intru- intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, from the outside, it, it appears to me that you have um, psychological symptoms caused by a biological response Imbalance, to, yeah, yeah, totally. to what is happening with yeah. your adenoma. Yeah. And I feel like, you have always shown a little hesitancy around that because you mm-hmm. because there is no way to have a clear this is why this is happening right thing right right but and i know that it's hard to talk about that again mm-hmm. publicly because mm-hmm. it's you know you worry about other people judging you for claiming any ocd symptoms but sure, yeah. you know i you know I, I the whole idea of like separating our minds from our bodies yeah. to be clinical about diagnoses. Like, it's so unhelpful. I know, I agree. It just agree. doesn't help. Mm-mm. And depression, yeah. you know, is happening in your body. It, it, it becomes physical, yeah. you know? Yeah. The mind and the body are connected. They absolutely and to are. to shame yeah. anyone for having any um, mental health challenges mm-hmm. or to say that, like, they're, oh, they're fine. They just, they just have, you know, like, that's all, like, in their mind. Like, none mm-hmm. of that is helpful or even really true. Right. So, you know, yeah. I... I commend you for being brave enough to share this <laughs> Thank in the you. podcast setting. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I've been by your side for the last, you know, almost five years. Yeah. And I know you to be an incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. person. Thank you. And I've <laughs> I've seen how at different points on this journey, when your levels were off, I've seen that it really affects you, you know, yeah. and it yeah. um, brings things out that are not there otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um and there's no shame in that at yeah. all. Yeah, it, it it is really dynamic. And I'll get more into that too. Um, I've never been so aware of the way that my cycle affects my emotional um, state. And, uh, sure. and it's really interesting. I'm so aware of that now. I'm so attuned to what my hormones are doing in my body and how it makes me feel in the emotional realm. Mm. And um, so that's a, so that's an interesting benefit, but just to go back to this sort of um, intrusive thought narrative. So I, um, so yeah, so I, so I again, this is these are not my intrusive thoughts. I'm in a really stable and good place um, with this piece of <laughs> my mental health picture. Um, the intrusive thoughts and those OCD type, um, yeah, uh, arrival of thoughts um, is something I feel really in control with. It doesn't cause me anxiety anymore. If they arise, I'm able to like kind of acknowledge them and let them go, mm-hmm. and. 
that is something I remember when I first started having these intrusive thoughts that seemed so impossible. Yeah. I couldn't think of a day where it wouldn't be happening. And now, um, I guess that was like three years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm in a really good spot for a couple of different reasons that I'd love to talk more about, but um, just to go back to the idea that, right. So I'm I'm not going to share anything of mine, (laughs) but so an example would be somebody who had like a very close relationship to their dad and were like a pretty nonviolent person. They have this intrusive thought about, Oh my gosh, what if I stab my dad? And then they're imagining them stabbing their dad and they see it in their mind and it terrorizes them because it's actually what's fascinating about intrusive thoughts is it's actually the opposite of who you are as a human being. Mm -hmm. So if you have an intrusive thought that is about it's, it's taking whatever you can imagine the worst thing is and kind of like rep weaponizing it. Like, what if I am that thing? You know, you've described as your brain telling you like, you're going to do this. Yes. Like, sure. As if, if this was your intrusive thoughts, like your brain's telling you, um, you're going to pick up that knife and stab, and your, stab dad. your dad. Right. Yeah. Which, which have, it was not the nature of my intrusive thoughts, yeah. which I feel very grateful for. I harming somebody I loved, that would be a terrible yeah. but intrusive I, thought to have. In my understanding, people generally don't act on those. No, no, yeah. it's not. It's Another not, example. It's not like your brain tells you to do it and then you no, do it. No, no, it's, no, it's no, no, no. Your brain is over and over telling you to, like this What thing if you is, did, oh my God, yeah. oh my God, what if this, somehow this terrible thing took over your body and you just yeah. did? And it's like anxiety around something that's not going to happen, but you, right. but it's just trying to build that anxiety cycle in your own body. It's very yeah. weird. And and it seems like it's, an, it's a voice outside of yourself, right? Well, no. So that's a really important distinction, actually, is it's not like schizophrenia. It's not where you're hearing another voice in your head telling mm. you to do things and da 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 da. That that um that sounds terrifying. It and I I I want to acknowledge that that is a different experience. This is more like I think a really good example um because it's something I think people can relate to is like when you're driving down the road and you're at the wheel of the car and you think oh my god I could turn the car and just go over the side of this road, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, you're not going to do it, but just the thought of it, like, kind of like, Oh, whoa, that was, that's a little weird to think about how much power I have in this moment. And then you move on. And what I, what happens for people with intrusive thoughts is that that thought can't, you can't move on from it Mm -hmm. because then the whole car ride, you're suddenly aware of the power you have and you're not going to turn the car, but you're just aware of the fact that you could constantly, you know? Yeah. So it's, is it like violent thoughts or like uh, deeply troubling sort of thoughts? Like no one has intrusive thoughts about like, I'm going to pet this puppy, you know, (laughs) it's not like pleasant things. No, it's not like I'm going to pet this puppy, but, but there is a range, right? Like there's also, um, Okay, a very mild example of this, Hmm. um, but is but I think a lot of people also can relate to is like you think, oh, what if I left the oven on? Yeah, right. And 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 you can't relax. You can't relax, and you can't think about anything other than what if I left the oven on? Yeah, and then with intrusive thoughts it's like and then you start to like envision what happened your apartment burning down and then it spirals into like oh my gosh the insurance da 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 and then and then it's just this constant feedback loop in your sure. head of like what if what if what if what if what if what if yeah um but is there like a element of 
of like proactive action about it because like the, leaving the oven on is an accident mm-hmm. but like you know turning the car off the road is an intent so yeah, is maybe it like it's telling been- yourself that you're gonna do something you have no intent to do but your brain is like teasing you that you do but you know you don't and yeah if i'm I think, that right? I think that 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 can be a type of intrusive thought yes mm. definitely yeah um it, yeah it's an a lot of it is totally irrational yeah but it's like this fear that somehow you would lose control of your own faculties mm. or that you would that this thought is going to haunt you the rest of your life and you're going to absolutely drive yourself to the point of insanity because this thought will never leave your brain. Yeah. I remember feeling really stressed out about like, what was my brain doing when I wasn't talking to someone or when I wasn't reading or when I wasn't listening to something like in the moments where you're just sitting there and you're thinking the thought would just come in in every single one of those moments. I was in New York when this happened. When yeah. this, so okay, so I should go back. So this first time in puberty, this happened. This, actually, I can I will give the example of the one during puberty because yeah. because I this is not not part of my story anymore. I feel very much moved on from that. Um, but I think it is a good example of one. So I was a pretty spiritual person mm-hmm. like um and it at that time which was like you know around 12 years old 11 years old i um i really thought of god in a very traditional sense and i mm-hmm. prayed to god in my mind every night and um you know i just kids thought of him as this big bearded person in the sky and you know not literally but you know like i thought that god was a person with ears that was listening to me you know and i would pray in my head and my very first intrusive thought that i had back then and it was the only one i had during that whole time but it was very um haunting to me was um i said f you god in my head interesting i didn't say f you obviously but yeah interesting (laughs) yeah so i said that in my head and and then i was like oh my gosh I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way at all. Oh my gosh, God can hear me. He thinks I hate him. (laughs) Oh, and that, and then I couldn't stop thinking it because it was such a terrible thing to think. Wow. Right. And I, and I, I was so agonized. I remember I was getting ready for my bat mitzvah, like a year later. And I was like, I'm going to be on the Bema and I'm going to say it in my head to God. And God's going to hear me in this important spiritual (laughs) moment. I'm going to say this terrible thing to him in my head and so on and so forth. You know, like, really a lot of fear around that um yeah or um one of the ones another therapist had talked to me about that i thought was an interesting one which i have experienced is like when you're driving and you um you pass by a person you know you just like pass by a person on their bike or something and you know you didn't hit them there was mm. no you did no impact with your car there's no but you think what if i nicked them like, what if I nicked them and I didn't notice? Or, and then you have to check your mirror or you have to go around the block to make sure that they're still there and okay. Or, you know, like you, and you can't let go until you make sure. Yeah. Even though you rationally need, rationally know you didn't hit them. This sounds exhausting. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, And it's, it again is like something that you can have varying degrees of at varying levels of it, it, like the type of thought and how disturbing it is, how much it comes into your brain, 
um, what it triggers inside of you physiologically. Like for me, it was a very like a stress response. And I had like felt like adrenaline rushing and I couldn't really sleep. And and, you know, and now it's not a very dominant thing in my life at all. Yeah. Um, but that's just because of a lot of tools that I use to uh, work through it. And yeah. yeah. Tell me about the tools that you use for that. Yeah. So, well, I guess maybe what I should start with is like the most recent part of this story, which is like, so I was in New York city. Um, I was working on a show. Actually, I was in like rehearsals for a show. And this was about three years ago, right? About three years ago. Yeah. And they just came back, these intrusive thoughts, like, yeah. and it was really stressful. And I I was like, what is going on? This this feels like something, why has this suddenly come out of nowhere? It's not yeah. like I had that in puberty and I've dealt with it all the way through my whole life. That was the other thing. It's like, I had that in puberty for like one and a half years and then they just sort of went away. Yeah. And it just sort of resolved and I didn't have it at all again until this I was I remember I was laying I actually think I was like on Skype with you. <laughs> and it happened kind of mid Skype and then um I was laying in bed and I couldn't sleep and da 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 and then it just hit me and the next day <laughs> so so or maybe like a couple days later I I mean I was just I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. I was so disturbed by this suddenly coming out of nowhere. And I noticed I was lactating. <laughs> yeah. And this and is before I, you found out about the... Yes, pituitary. before I knew I had the adenoma. Yeah. So, I was just like, I'm pregnant and I'm going <laughs> crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't find out for a long time that you like went out and got a pregnancy test. Yeah. You didn't even tell me. No. Yeah. I was so sure because I was literally producing milk. <laughs> my... You know, my brain was doing a weird thing. I, I I felt totally like my body was, something was happening inside my body that had not happened, you know, before. Yeah. And so, um, when I, so the very first thing was, I mean, because I wasn't eating or sleeping, um, I saw my doctor arrange for me to see a psychiatrist in New York immediately and get evaluated and get some meds. And so I was given Xanax and something to help me sleep. And that was always meant to be a temporary fix until I could come back and we could do some tests. And yeah. um, so, but that kept my anxiety and uh, my sleep solid enough for the few weeks I had left in New York Um to the point where I could like function, I could do the show um, and I could get home and we could kind of investigate more what was going on. So then, so, so talking about tools, the first thing is, was seeing a mental health professional. It really helped me um, to do that. And someone who had seen this in other people, um, again, the hormone piece wasn't necessarily what she specialized in, but the intrusive thoughts were. And so, and then also Xanax, man, for the time that I needed it when I was kind of in major crisis, it, it was really helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that was something that I think there are tools that are long term tools. And I think there are tools that you use to get you through certain periods of real challenge. Sure. So for me, the Xanax was a was a short term tool that was very useful. And same with the sleeping medication. 
Um, then when I got home, we did some blood work and we saw that the prolactin was high. And then we did the scan of my brain. And um, yeah. And then from there, it was just I got hooked up with an endocrinologist. We went on. So there are two medications that you use to treat um a prolactinoma so one prolactinoma prolactinoma <laughs> so one is um called um cabergolin i don't know why that just yeah, stuck you in my head <laughs> knew that you i could never remember the name of that one and you always I did i always remember i know and then it's so funny because like i said i sat in on this doctor's appointment yeah when the first when you first saw the endocrinologist yeah 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 um, yeah and i <laughs> I just never forget him saying cabergoline. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't. And it it was something. I I really struggled with that medication. Yeah. And that medication um, is the one that is actually more commonly used. People find that it has fewer side effects and that um, it is more gentle in terms of, yeah, the, the what you experience. But um for me, it was kind of the opposite. It's interesting. So both of these medications come with side effects like nausea, um, headaches, um, and then a heightened, potentially heightened depression and anxiety. Yeah, which I was already experiencing. Right. Plus these, you know, OCD side effects. So I, I was anxious to start a medication anyway that may mess with those factors. Sure. Um, which I think just even speaks more to the fact that this area of the brain and this gland do affect your mental well-being and your mental balance, and so. Um, I to me that was further evidence that it wasn't totally irrational to believe that this adenoma had triggered this mental health challenge. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I started taking those meds, and I, you know, when I first experienced this adenoma, it was mostly the anxiety and the intrusive thoughts. Like I didn't have any depression symptoms uh, with the adenoma. It was it was much more of that high strung anxiety. Um, fear response thing going on in my body. But with the meds, depression hit me really hard. Yeah. And I remember there was a day which was so new for me. And anyone who knows me knows that I am a very exuberant, jolly human being, you know? <laughs> so jolly. So jolly. And so, um, so for me to experience depression was very um, new and it also really messed with my identity. Hmm. Like, it messed with my idea of who I was. I had a lot of my identity centered in a happy, positive person, quote unquote, which now I know that that doesn't, if you're depressed, that doesn't mean you're not happy or positive. Like those things don't have to be antagonist, ag antagonistic of each other. But um, at the time I was just like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to lose who I am? Mm -hmm. Am I going to not have access to those things? But I remember there was a time um, on this medication that, I was in bed, remember? And I had also, <laughs> remember, I had also had a um, concussion the year <laughs> before. And yeah. there is some research that head trauma can trigger a adenoma. Yeah, I'm not laughing because it's funny that Andy had a concussion. <laughs> I'm laughing because Andy seems to be unable to not hit her head on this one spot. Yeah, it's true. She hits herself in the head 
It's like she has a blind spot where yeah. she just walks into cupboards and cabinets and yeah, yeah, and car doors, and it's yeah. just always in this one spot. Yeah, it's and, like a magnet. And one time it was hard enough that it did give her a concussion. Right, and I had, um, and it was. I mean, I'm laughing, but it was awful. It was really. It was awful. Yeah, and it was horrible. I bring this up just because there are some theories about head trauma and adnobas and and yeah. um, their connection in some way. But I remember feeling really out of sorts with that and really not myself. Yeah. Um, and like emotionally, um, I just like weepy. Like I would remember I would like just start crying. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm yeah. not upset, you know. Um, so that I guess that was the closest experience I had had to that depression experience. But with this medication, it was like a whole new level. And I remember I was lying in your bed and I knew I needed to take a shower, but I just could not. Like the idea of standing up made me want to cry. Yeah. And I remember you like pulled me up out of bed and just held me. And I was just like, I don't know what's wrong. And you yeah. like got in the shower with me. And <laughs> it was really amazing. Like you've been so supportive through all of this. And um, yeah, I mean, not to pause the momentum on my part of the episode but i i don't know i do think that this is an interesting documentation of like how people and specifically romantic partners support each other through these major pains like yeah it's it's really interesting to think about what that how that's linked to intimacy you know and like how that's a very intimate thing to share with someone is like these moments that are so vulnerable yeah, I mean, I feel much better equipped to deal with my partner's major pain <laughs> yeah. now that mm-hmm. I have one than I did before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where yeah. I have experienced many times this feeling of like sudden depression that was not tied to anything mm-hmm. um, that because we don't know what my chronic illness is, like we don't know if it has, if it causes depression. Yeah. Um, but from from my life experience, like sometimes my mood doesn't feel like it's my own. It feels mm-hmm. like some external factor is just making me depressed. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to um, detach myself from that emotionally yeah. and ride it out. And that really helps me. Yeah. And I feel like when that happened to you, it I recognized it. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was familiar. Right. And I feel like I was... I had some tools to help coach you through it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I had had to develop some for myself. Yeah. Because like before I, um, before my health problems started, I would get depressed sometimes mm-hmm. over stuff that was happening in life. And yeah, sometimes I'd fall into a depression because of it mm-hmm. for like a period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the most recent time that happened to me was when I was 30 and I had cancer, mm-hmm. I had testicular cancer and yeah. I got really depressed. Yeah. Didn't realize I was depressed. Six months later, I had this epiphany. It's like, oh, I'm depressed. <laughs> like, literally, just, I, I remember where I was, like, standing in my apartment. It was just like yeah. this light bulb went off. I was like, oh, buddy, you had cancer, and then you got depressed. And that's why <laughs> you have not been feeling good recently. And it just, like, was gone, you know? Yeah, like, once yeah. I was able to name it, it's yeah. like, you know how names have power? Totally. Once I was able to name it, it was gone. Mm-hmm. But there's been other times since my health has flared up in the last yeah. four and a half, five years, yeah. where I have this other type of depression, which yeah. feels completely foreign. It, totally. It feels like it just, like, it's like someone switches a lever and I'm depressed suddenly. Yes. And it's not about anything. Yes, yeah. It's not about, uh, I'm actually like pretty 
like generally happy yeah about everything in my life at yeah. the moment but yeah. i'm so sad for, yeah. for no reason yeah it's funny um my friend mimi talks about on Big Mouth, you know, show Big yeah. Mouth. There's, uh, we never got to this part of this series, but there's um, a depression cat, <laughs> and it like comes into the room. Apparently, I'm I'm sorry if I if for those of you that are fans and already know this piece of it, I may be misinterpreting it. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> as it was described to me, it's like this like it, it that sounds familiar to me. Of like, it's this thing that enters the room, right? You know, and um. And it doesn't feel like it's coming from you. It feels like it's being put upon you. Right. And um, it's really tough. And I hadn't experienced that type of depression before. Right, right. Um, I definitely experienced extreme sadness around certain life events. Absolutely. And and that were temporarily prohibitive in terms of like my functionality. But but it never felt like that. It never felt like I don't understand this or this is something bigger than me that's like holding, wrapping its arms around me and, yeah. you know, holding on to me like that, you know, I mean, not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, I had that with this medication and we were testing my prolactin levels and they were lowering, but by like such small, so small. increments. Yeah. I mean, it like was half not, a point. Yeah. It was just not worth it like within the realm of within the margin of error for tests. Sure. Sure. You know? Yeah. 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 It's like we either went down half a point or nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right Maybe right. it went up by point one. Yes. Like, you know, yeah. how accurate is this test? Totally. Totally. And I, it, it just was no longer worth it to me yeah. to be on this medication when we weren't even making progress. So we decided at that time um, to go off medication um, and for me to sort of manage my symptoms um, for myself, which we also felt safe doing because by that point I had discovered a supplement that has had really yeah. been helping me with my intrusive thoughts. Um, it was interesting. I was seeing a naturopath and uh the naturopath that I was seeing had recently read some research about this one supplement, which is a combination of two different things, which was really helping OCD patients. Mm -hmm. um, so I started taking that supplement and I did notice a bit of a shift in yeah. just like my, the amount of intrusive thoughts I was having, having, having <laughs> my mental clarity like that I did. Um, and then we went to your naturopath yeah, Which this is, is back when I was seeing the guy who was doing the muscle testing. Yeah, and he did do, and you know, I got to say, I don't know. There was a piece of that process that did feel like there was something to it. I don't know that that was the practitioner or the usage or the fit for you or whatever that was correct. But what I we did find for me with the muscle, muscle testing that was that one of the two things in that supplement was a stronger had a better effect on me than the other yeah what he was saying is like there's two things in here let's just test the yeah, two individually and see which one it is that's helping yeah and according to the muscle testing and if you want to learn more go back listen to the first episode we talked yeah, about it right yeah there. yeah but he basically said inositol is the one that's mm -hmm, helping mm -hmm. and then you just went on inositol yeah instead of the other supplement right which, which i don't even remember don't even remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah no but um and i still take inositol yeah. to this day and um, it helps for and sure it really does help yeah 
So, so there's a tip. If you have so intrusive that's thoughts, a tip. Yeah. try inositol. It's also, well, and there's try a Try inositol. <laughs> new from, <laughs> Not from the makers of melatonin comes a brand new supplement. Oh, wow. That was a good voice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, yeah. It, it, um, it, it definitely helps. Um, there's a lot of research also on how it can help generally with um, a lot of challenges related to the menstrual cycle, hormone mm. imbalance. Um, it works as a carbohydrate in your system and it, it helps with the balance of um, your happy what is it called oh shit i think it's beans happy beans happy beans yeah, yeah. that's that's it you need the happy beans your happy beans happy i beans can't remember <laughs> hashtag happy beans <laughs> new happy beans from the makers of inositol <laughs> i can't remember if it's um there uh, are two things that are like the happy chemicals do- dopamine dopamine and there's another one. It's happy beans. And and happy beans. And <laughs> anyway, this this affects one of the I you know, I really should have done brushed up on my research <laughs> about this before we started this episode. Um Ser- serotonin. Course, serotonin. Yes. Oh my gosh. Good Boom. job. Happy beans. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be saying happy beans yeah, for the rest it's of our lives been thing now yeah. luckily we had it recorded when it first yeah happened. right you were here when yeah um i yeah i <laughs> no i can think about it happy beans um <laughs> that's, that's a good intrusive thought you're right that's true see <laughs> see we knew one was out there <laughs> um well, this got weird yeah well what did we expect yeah really? <laughs> um but yeah so I, I i it's funny over the course of these you know three plus years that i've known about my adenoma and i've done so much research and so and i've gotten so much information and at this point it just it doesn't all it's not all sticking to the front of my brain but um like why inositol specifically how it works in, with your body chemistry. But yeah. point is it was very helpful for me. And um, yeah, I also feel weary of like recommending anything to well, anyone, but what you're saying is that this thing worked for you. Yes. And that's right. not a recommendation. That's just a fact. I totally. mean, you've run out of inositol a couple of times yeah. and your intrusive thoughts came back. Yeah. Like, there's been a direct which, parallel. Which could also be placebo, right? Like, and I'm totally open to that being true. Sure. And but placebo is effective. So. You are a very forgetful person when it comes to taking pills every yes, day. Yes, I am. And I don't think that you even knew that you were out of inositol or that you had... I don't think you were conscious of no. the fact that you hadn't taken one. Sure. And yeah. I, I've seen it happen from the outside a couple of times. And yeah. Like, I've seen your, your shift when yeah, you've gone definitely. off of it. So I... I, yeah. I well, really think that it's helped you quite a bit. I think so too. And who knows? I mean, I also think the act of taking something every day that you believe is helping you with something sure. can be very powerful. And and I I I think that it could be a combination of things. It may just really work. It may, you know, it, but whatever it is if it helps, it's then it's valid. Do you know? Like sure. that that's that's just my feeling. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I I really was very fortunate to find that. And um, at the point where we decided for me to go off the cabergoline, um, we, I was, had that inositol as something that was really helping me. And um, I had entered a much more manageable place with my symptoms. Yeah. So, um, so, so you, I did. 
so you just went off. I did. There's two medications. There's the cabergoline, then there's also the bromocryptine. Well, so that's, yeah, so that's the next right. step. But in the- you, you decided, okay, this first one made me super depressed. Yes. The inositol seems to be helping. Yep. Let's let's try, you and your doctor kind of agreed, let's try going off of yeah. the, the heavy medication for a while. Yeah. Just use the inositol and then track prolactin and see what happens. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And also, bromocryptine is most often worse in terms of those side effects that right. I was experiencing for and people. We were a little gun shy to try something Yes, that would make it even worse. So, yeah. um, so we went off that for a while. And then, you know, I mean, it's really tough because you kind of associate all these things and you, you, what's the cause of anything. But I, uh, my prolactin started going up again pretty yeah. significantly and my stress levels went up during COVID obviously. Sure. And um, so I had my prolactin tested and it was higher. I had my brain imaged and the adenoma had grown so, so minusculely. I mean, it was, it was very small amount that it had grown, but uh, very much within normal range. Like nobody was concerned about, you know, mm-hmm. there was no cause for surgery or anything like that. But I just, um, you know, I checked in with my doctor again and the more you can prevent growth, the better for sure. Yeah. And the more you can keep prolactin levels lower, the better. Um, Another thing I should mention, which is not so much a concern for me, but is a very big concern for many people who experience this, is fertility. So, as I said, if I wasn't on birth control, I wouldn't have a period and I probably would not be able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I, and I can't get pregnant on birth control either. I want to be clear about that. But <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, just to say that going off birth control for me would not mean that suddenly I could get pregnant. Yeah. And um, when you say that's not as big of a concern for you. Right. Well, I am not actively trying to get pregnant right now. And also, I'm not sure that I, the pregnancy is something I want to or need to experience. I'm very open to adopting. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It doesn't, um, in terms of like, I know there are a lot of folks for whom th- that's a very important experience for them to have. And the idea that it wouldn't be possible or that they would have to go through IVF or really um, a lot of challenging things to in order to have that experience, like that, that's a terrible thing for a lot of people. And I just want to acknowledge that. But for me, I I don't have that experience. Yeah. Um, so this can also be a much more um, devastating diagnosis for certain people mm-hmm. because of that factor. Um, so, yeah. So we went off and I didn't have any major pressing reason that I needed to have a lower prolactin, but it started to go up. And I just thought I have never tried this other medication mm-hmm. and it may be much worse, but it may not. And it may work. And I think it's worth trying because it's one of two options you know so i did end up getting on um bromocryptine and i had read a lot of vlogs about people that had experimented with both medications and a lot of blogs had said um that there was a transition period that was very challenging but once their bodies adjusted they felt stable and um so it that was very true for me. The first two weeks of the medication, <laughs> I was waking up. Another thing that happens with high prolactin is like almost like a morning sickness kind of sub- symptom 
So you wake up in the morning or it kind of hits you around 5 a.m. with nausea and stomach upset and sometimes headache. And I experienced that lightly anyway, but um, with the medication, it was very intense for those first two weeks. Like I would, it would wake me up with, with nausea. Um, and I yeah, had a lot of emotional anxiety and all kinds of stuff. But then after those two weeks of transition, my body adjusted and the medication was very tolerable for me um, and has been. Uh, now, I started to try to up the dosage a bit. Um, my doctor and I were talking about right now I'm on half a pill once a day. So we're talking about, well, maybe a full pill once a day, because the more you can take and the more you can tolerate, the um, more quickly your levels will go down and it's easier for your body to stabilize at a at a level in the sort of more normal range. But I, I couldn't get past those I, two weeks of transition. I like I could I'm I'm gonna try again um, later this summer when I have less on my plate. But you really have to sign up for two weeks of just knowing you're gonna feel like crap every and, day. And by that you mean going to a full pill once a day instead of a half? Yeah. Yeah, because you tried a full pill for how yeah. long? A couple days, and yeah. I just felt terrible. And because of this job with the school and yeah. just other stressors, I was like, I'm going to wait till I, I can tolerate this. It like, was such a win when you went on the half pill a day, mm -hmm. and it seemed to be helping. Right. Like, once you were on that for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, it seemed like the prolactin like was very, very slowly going down, and you seemed to be feeling a little bit better. Yeah. And that was kind of astonishing, yeah. because you reacted so poorly to the one that was supposed to have fewer yeah. side effects yeah 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 and yeah. we had been like yeah putting off trying this medication for uh -huh. at least a year yeah i know and then you went on it's like oh wow this one works better yeah which yeah. was so shocking yeah it, it yeah. is so you never know um, yeah but then like there's no reason to push it to a full one a day yeah. when you just got on one that's working let's give yeah. it some time to work yeah first. sure right yeah yeah absolutely um i mean after three months of taking it my prolactin level was like two points lower like I, yeah. I, again now we're back in the issue of is this medication effective for me well and how high but, is your prolactin like how many points above normal is it? right so um for a person my age who is not pregnant um the quote-unquote normal range is like I, it's somewhere around 23 that's not a range that's a number but <laughs> <laughs> one did i believe it's like one to 20 one seems low but it, i i have the number 23 in my head okay great and i'm at like 192 holy crap but a woman who or a person i should say who is um breastfeeding um that person's prolactin is in somewhere in the 300 range. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. So it, it just depends obviously on <laughs> what's happening in your body, but for someone who is not breastfeeding or pregnant, 192 is quite high. Yeah. Yeah. So like going down two points is like a negligible difference, but it's, it's going in the, in the direction you want to see. Yes. So it just makes all the decisions so hard. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, if I, I need to go down lower, then I need to go on medication that's going to make me feel awful. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, what's the point in that? You right. Know? Oh, yeah. And then there is also the option of surgery, right? So Right, which we haven't talked about yet, yeah. which is brain surgery. Right. It is brain surgery. And I've heard conflicting things. I watched a few videos um, 
of people who have had the surgery, just like talking about their experience. And to me, what I remembered was that you go through the nose, that you actually access, you don't have to have a, what do they call it, a craniotomy or where they cut, they crack your skull open. Yeah. Um, they actually go up through your nose. They go up through your nose. But then when I was talking to my endocrinologist, he was like, you really want to avoid surgery because, you know, you don't want to have to crack the skull open if you don't have to. Or I thought that's what he said, and then I yeah. kind of didn't, I wasn't sure. Well, I still think that we need to see a different endocrinologist. I think he's very good. I agree, but but when you told him that you'd found mm-hmm. a supplement that helped, mm-hmm. he basically had nothing to say about that. Right, And right. like, you had asked him if there was a supplement that might help, and he said no. Right, like, right. So he, you know, th- this is this whole thing where like, there's this like divide between traditional Western medicine and anything that is considered naturopathy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where some doctors just say, if it isn't in Western medicine, it doesn't work or it isn't real. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. You know, there are so many things that can help. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, chamomile tea helps people sleep. Right. You know, right. Like that, that is not a prescription medication. That's an herb that can make you sleepy. (laughs) And like, I don't think any doctor is going to argue with you about, like saying, oh, the chamomile tea helped me sleep. He's like, no, it didn't. That's a placebo effect, you know? <laughs> it's like a pretty well-known thing that sure, like sure. chamomile tea can help some people get sleepy. Sure. It doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for some people. Sure. Um, and I I don't know. This is like such a specific thing where it's like I took inositol and my intrusive thoughts got better. Yeah. And he wasn't even willing to kind of acknowledge that, mm-hmm. which frustrated me and made me feel like, you know, this guy's telling you you have three options. You went out and found a fourth, you know? Sure. And it makes me uncomfortable that that he wasn't willing to be open to the fact that there could be any more options besides two right. medications or brain surgery. That's the only three things he offered you. Right. And I also don't know how much he really believed that these other psychological factors were connected to the because right. it's not really his job to deal with the intrusive thoughts right right like, that's but i not felt his like area. that was harmful to you sure i sure. felt like it was from my perspective it did seem connected yeah and in yeah. your experience it has seemed connected so yeah why why is it bad to assume that it was connected it's not you know i agree i i agree i i do i don't he didn't he didn't tell me, he wasn't like totally dismissive of it, but he didn't really engage with it. Right. Which, which was I, weird. I yeah. was in the room and it was weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it was almost like, it was it was dismissive in a way that sure. made me feel like y- you as a, a whole human wasn't being looked after in the way that I would want as your partner. Yeah, you yeah. I, I, I feel a little bit about him like I feel about a lot of certain, like just high functioning doctors in their fields which is that their patient care piece or their um interpersonal Mm. piece is not as well evolved um like yeah i'm watching doc martin right now which i love that show (laughs) um for any of those of you that don't know it's an amazing british comedy about (laughs) a surgeon from london who gets a blood phobia and has to move to port twin to become their local gp and it's fabulous (laughs) oh isn't that what doc hollywood was based on that michael j fox movie oh maybe that makes sense. I used to I never love that saw movie that. when I was a kid. Oh, is he kind of like an antisocial? He's like a, a hotshot doctor yeah. who like ends up 
practicing medicine in a small town. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is actually also a common, shockingly common theme in certain shows and entertainment. But yes. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Doc Hollywood, Doc Martin. Yeah. Well, so anyway, he reminds me of him a little bit in that. It's, I mean, not not to the degree in the televised, you know, show version, but there's something there that's just a disconnect in terms of like how you interact with a human being. Exactly. Like he's not acknowledging distress. your yeah. humanity and yeah. you're struggling. It's all very much like, well, you take this pill and it works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And there's not, there's like nothing else to it, mm-hmm. but like, but which makes no sense because, you know, we know that hormones are part of emotion. Sure. Well, and I'll to say, so we recently had um, a telehealth uh, visit and he did sort of say, he's like, wow, you look really like you seem really relaxed. You seem happier. Like I was having a good day, I think. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, I'm so glad this medication's working. Like you do, you seem less stressed. He asked me about my stress levels. He asked me about... Hmm how my mental clarity was. So, so he surprised me there. Yeah. You weren't there for that one. Totally. But I do think he cares about it, but maybe does just feels out of his realm and doesn't know Mm. how to talk about it. Yeah. And I'm not saying I don't want you to see this guy. No, I'm just saying I would love for you to get a second opinion. Absolutely. And I actually think that is sort of, would if with something that you're going to be dealing with your whole life, like yeah. getting a second opinion, I think is always a really good policy, you know? Um, yeah. Like I was seeing this, something else that happened in the last six months since we recorded the first episode is that mm-hmm. I saw a hematologist for my um, low ferritin level, which mm. is related to iron. Yeah. Um, and this guy just wasn't great. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, he put me on iron infusions and I had this like burst of energy for a couple of months. Yeah. That was unlike anything that I've experienced in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, wasn't answering any of our questions and he like <laughs> yeah. wasn't really helpful at all. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I need a different hematologist. Like yeah. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. If, if having low iron is part of it, like mm-hmm. I need to know that. So we mm-hmm. switched hematologists, found another guy who was like day one, super helpful. Yeah. And just willing to say, you know what? If your iron goes below this level, we're going to give you infusions. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we were able to, you know, like realize that, that uh, my iron level has stayed pretty good yeah but my symptoms have not improved so now we're feeling like for a minute there we're thinking the iron infusions might be a big piece of it and now we're thinking less so Mm -hmm. um but i wasn't wouldn't have been able to figure that out as quickly if we hadn't switched doctors absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, i think that's totally true and yeah i i again like if it's something if it's something short term that you know you can push through and you, you know you're getting good care but you maybe just don't necessarily really vibe with the person or you know yeah. that's one thing but if it's a bigger deal and and you're going to be interacting with them a lot and yeah it's so important you know it's yeah chemistry. to have a good feeling about that person yeah. and their their ability to see you as a per, as a human you know so yeah. um yeah i think that is a really crucial piece of it um but i did want to also talk more about my coping mechanisms or like ways Please, that i yeah. um the mental side of um dealing with intrusive thoughts and i i just remember really craving material about this um when i was going through it but also being afraid that um it would trigger more intrusive thoughts because if i was listening to other people talk about theirs maybe i would adopt them um or something like that so um 
so I also like it's tough to talk about them without talking about specifics, but I do think it's important to as well in some ways for mm -hmm. the community of people who deal with them. Um, but I, I, and I, I, if I had heard someone say this to me when I was going through the height of them and like how terrible that felt, it would be very frustrating to hear this, but I will just say that so much of it is just living with them for a while. Hmm. Like so much of it is having the thought and then seeing that it doesn't happen or having the thought like hang over you and then having a day, maybe three days later where you go a certain amount of time without having the thought. And then you're like, Oh wow, I just went five hours and I didn't have it. And then yeah, just... over time from there you go, Oh my God, I had a day where I didn't have that. Yeah. And then from there you, you know, and it just, it grows a little bit with time and I don't know. I think it's unfortunate because it's a frustrating answer, but a lot of it was just living with, as someone with intrusive thoughts, living with them for a while before mm. they started to be quieter. Yeah. Um, health, health is slow sometimes. Yes, yes. Like the healthcare system is slow and sometimes yeah. our bodies are slow. Mm -hmm. Like, you mm -hmm. know, if you get a cut, it needs time to heal. Yes. And if you have a pituitary adenoma and a whole bunch of prolactin is pumped into your system, mm -hmm. it takes time to adjust. Yeah, and definitely. And sometimes you just got to give your body time. Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely true. And, and it's hard because when you're in crisis or you're in the experience of something being new and challenging to be told, you just have to wait, you just have to give it time, it will get better or easier, um, it's tough. Um, but, you know, I think... Um, there's that whole theory around meditation too of like when you're when for me I studied Zen meditation in college and it's all about you're you're counting in your mind right and um, you really focus like all of your energy on the on a number so like in my mind if I was practicing this form of meditation I would my whole being would be going towards one. Two and like every piece of my brain, all I'm focusing it on is this number. And um, you count up until eight and then you stop and you start over. And you have thoughts, of course, that come into your mind during that time. And you, the practice is to acknowledge the thought and then let it go and come back to the number, come back to the number. Mm. So it's. And, and that was helpful? That practice is is helpful if you can achieve it. But what's hard is you get stuck in the cycle where you are so focused on not thinking the thought, don't think the thought, don't think the thought, don't think the thought. Of course, you're going to think more and more about the thought and you're going to build more anxiety and energy around the thought and it becomes more powerful. Hmm. And sometimes in your mind going, I see you, I acknowledge you, I'm going to move on to this thing, one you know, so like finding your one, <laughs> finding the thing you can bring your mind back to when you that 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 is also important. And a little bit you talk about this, but distracting yourself, right? Like that's another thing. And it's tough because sometimes, again, when you're in the height of it, um, distractions, it doesn't matter if you're watching TV, you're not really even paying attention, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, but. Again, like. 
over time, slowly you can pay attention more and slowly you do learn to distract yourself or, you know, um, harken back to like moments where you push through and you were okay. And you just keep reminding yourself of that. Um, I mean, good sleep is always so crucial for any mental stability and health, right? Like uh, making sure your, your sleep hygiene is really good. And um, then being aware of, of how, for me, because my intrusive thoughts are linked to my hormone levels, being really aware of what time of the month you're in and being mm-hmm. able to tell yourself, okay, it's a little worse right now because of this thing that's happening um, in my body and it will get easier. And it will continue to fluctuate. And I think that's the other thing is just knowing that it's not a fixed point. Because sometimes in the early phases, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be like this forever. And just knowing that it won't and it will inevitably change and and that, you know, you're in a maybe an intense moment of it, but it will it will go down. And you still deal with, you know, every every month when your period is happening would you say that it is harder to get through now than it used to be before your adenoma? Yes. And um, for me now, what's interesting is because I have a really good mental coping mechanisms with the intrusive thoughts, those are not what fluctuate the way that they used to with mm-hmm. my, with my um, menstru- menstrual flow. But for me more, it's the sluggishness, the nausea, the headaches, um, and then for me, a little bit of this depression piece and the anxiety piece, which again, like when I'm on the meds, that's more of the presenting symptom. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm off the meds, then it kind of goes back to the intrusive thoughts more. This is why it's so frustrating for me that the doctor is not acknowledging the correlation because it's been consistent for years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've already touched on that yeah and who knows i mean yeah i it's just what i've observed in myself and it and it could be any number for any number of reasons and um yeah but again i think we talked about this too but you are kind of in some ways your own best doctor or your best advocate like if you're noticing these things you're that are challenging for you and you're noticing the patterns of them like I, I don't know. I, the more I can talk to him about that, maybe he can let it in and take it on board too. Sure. So, but I do want to get another opinion. I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know. So, so you found this adenoma three-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you first found it and like these, these symptoms first popped up, it was very sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember how much you wanted to go back to how it was before. Yeah. And I think this is something that all of us with chronic illness feel mm-hmm. when it first happens is like, I, it's like you walk through a door mm-hmm. and you go into a room and you're like, this room sucks. <laughs> and then you like turn around and the door is gone. Yeah. And you're stuck yeah. in that room Yeah. and you can't leave. Yeah. So I remember how hard that was for you. Mm-hmm. And you seem to have really come through that mm-hmm. to a place of acceptance yeah. and, you know, being able to manage the symptoms mm-hmm. with grace. How did you make that transition? <laughs> oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you. I I think manage the symptoms with grace is quite a generous um, <laughs> expression <laughs> coming from you because you've seen me in the worst moments of this. Um, well, I think I, it's accurate. 
Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I I think that um, I can say this now, which I have, again, the privilege of having some space from at least the height of the intrusive thoughts and what that effect was on me. But um, I think I'm a definitely better person because of it. Like, mm. um, I'm so much more intentional about my mental dialogue with myself and i uh yeah i i have like faced things in myself and fears in myself in a way that is very personal and um feels like it enriches my sense of knowing myself and supporting myself through scary moments and i'm more sensitive to other people's mental health challenges because mm. It's so common. Like, it's so, yeah, it's so common, common for people to struggle mentally at different points in their lives and to different degrees. But, like, you know, I, everyone has some experience with that um, in some way. So, yeah, I, I also think it's really made me um, investigate, like, what happiness is for myself and like th- how simple happiness can be. Yeah. And like just having a clear day where you're not um dealing with some of these challenges like is just such a gift and hmm. um Yeah, I I don't know. I really like my brain. I really <laughs> like my brain and I, I think that's another thing that I have told myself that helps, which is like my brain is doing something that I don't love, but I love my brain and this is just part of it. It's like you enter into a relationship with someone, you know, and it's like um, you take all of them and the things that about them that you don't love or are challenging or at the price of admission or whatever, you know, like the, those things are worth the person they are. You wouldn't change those things and then have a totally different person, you know, so in that way, it's like, I want my brain and my brain is doing this thing. So, <laughs> you know, how do I work with that? And like just celebrating the parts of my brain that I really like and acknowledging this is a piece of them too, you know? Yeah. Something that's been really interesting for me is how many times you've told me like, you know, I had no, like what you saying to me, like I had no idea what you were going through before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like now I, I still don't, have a full picture but like pieces of it have become clearer to me yeah definitely definitely yeah um yeah i think when a piece of your health is not optimal and it sits with you in a certain way um you can like see that in other people yeah for sure you know in a certain to a certain degree yeah um yeah yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. I I don't it's that cliche, but like I don't know that I would change my journey, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, do I wish that I didn't have this? Like, sure, but also it's a part of me and who I am and um there are definite things that I've gained from it. And I'd rather focus on that. Yeah. That's very wise. Thank you. What would you say to someone who 
was just diagnosed with a pituitary adenoma mm-hmm. or someone who is just deal just now dealing with intrusive thoughts for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, I would say that It's easy to feel like you're crazy, quote unquote, you know, um, it's easy to feel like your emotions are not your own, your thoughts are not your own. Um, those things that there's like a loss of control there, I think, um, which can be very helpless feeling. And I would say that you can absolutely regain control. Um, and I know that that's scary to be in the space where you don't feel like you have it, but you can, and there are tools to help. And there are people with your experience that have and are going through this. And, um, you know, if someone is listening to this and they are struggling with one of those two things and they want to talk to me, like, please email the podcast. I'd be happy to like start a correspondence. I think if I had had someone to talk to who dealt with this and I felt like it was a safe space to like talk about what I'm experiencing or at least hear echo back to me, somebody else who's gone through that and felt like they're in a good place with some of those things, that would have been really helpful. Mm-hmm. I have yet, I didn't, I had not, I have not <laughs> found a person in both camps who had a pituitary adenoma and then had a psychological um, experience. Mm-hmm. I've read some papers about it. There are a few people that report, um, but that was mostly with a correspondence between anxiety or depression and high prolactin. Um so I had no one with my experience to, but I had two different worlds I was looking into. So all to say, I, if you experience both or one or the other, like I, I think finding community around it is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And the email here is majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. If you want to, if you want me to pass something along to Andy, feel free to write in and I will absolutely do so. Yeah. Or if you have questions you want us to answer on the show, be sure to mm-hmm. let us know in the email. Some, sometimes I get emails from people that are very personal and I don't want to share without explicit totally. um, permission to say, yeah, feel free to share this on the show or I'd like to share this with the audience. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, conversely, if you say, hey, I'd like to share this with Andy or with any of our guests, mm-hmm. feel free. We're here for you. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Andy, this has been awesome. I mean, I knew this story, and yeah. this was still super interesting. Oh, good. So I'm so glad. I, I'm sure that for anyone who doesn't know this story, it's going to be just so fascinating to hear, because this is such a... I, I'd never heard of a pituitary adenoma before. <laughs> yeah. A prolactinoma. Yeah, I'd yeah. never heard of that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it existed until three years ago, um, when my partner found out she had one. Right. And it's been such an interesting journey by your side but also Mm -hmm. just i i just really appreciate you know you being open and willing to come on the podcast and share that with everyone else who listens i just think that there's so much positive power in that because you know the more we all talk about the rare shit that we're going through yeah the more similarities i i'm finding Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. like the these common themes of you know give yourself time you know, be kind to yourself, mm-hmm. find ways to feel joy. Yeah. 
like these things help everyone mm -hmm. who's going through any sort yeah. of health challenge and community like and community yeah that's really the big thing is like i mean even you have talked about since starting this podcast like hearing about people's coping mechanisms or even just hearing about them experiencing something sort of similar to you or whatever like you're taking that on board and it's already yeah. changing your life and the way you're approaching yeah. things you know totally yeah i mean when this episode comes out i've recorded a couple others with some really profound mm -hmm. things in them that have affected my life you yeah, know absolutely. that i'm so excited to share in the upcoming weeks so yeah totally yeah um Andy, thank you so much. This thank is really, you. really special. <laughs> I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me and for creating this space. It's really, really amazing. Thank you. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Happy beans. Happy beans. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine, from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to all of our $2 a month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, including Naomi Adele Smith, and our future producers at $25 per month. Learn more at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.